Let's do this. Let, yes. let, let us talk Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> I love that we're, yeah, I love that we're, um, yeah, we jumped ahead to this movie because I think it's probably the first movie I've done for this podcast that I legitimately hated. <laughs> oh, what, now were you a Fear Factor fan back in the day? Because we're, we're of that age where we remember it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I was not. I think I saw maybe one episode because I was a huge news radio fan and I just wanted to see Joe Rogan and something. But I think I lost interest pretty much. But yeah, I mean, for... For listeners who are um, annoyingly young, like this came out about the same time that reality TV really got started. June 2001 to be exact. Yeah. Because, I mean, you had the real world, which had been running for years, but reality TV didn't really become a thing until 2000, 2001. In response to a writer's strike, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Uh, that, that's like the worst thing to come out of, you know, these people not, you know, adhering to reasonable demands of these writers. And then, you know, as a result, you get, you know, more crap like the real world. And then uh, Joe Rogan having you eat animal body parts or their fluids. And Halloween Resurrection, for some reason, thought they could cash in on that and forget all of the other sequels in the process. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's sort of the thing. And that, um, we'll, we'll talk about the plot later. But basically, one of the reasons this movie is notorious is that it was trying to cash in on reality TV and has... A bunch of college students who all seem to be from the Haddonfield area. You would think that they would recruit people from around the country, uh, but apparently they didn't have the budget for that, or they don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Look at some of the scenes where Tyra Banks is. You know, her character is setting up some of the shots. I don't know if it was just you know early 2000s technology, but it looked like there was an awful lot of power strips and, you know, that became important later. But it, it looked like a very amateurish setup. Yeah. And, it, you know, some of the shots used in the movie itself sort of reflect that. That yeah. very, you know, Blair Witch-esque, in-your-face, very obvious high and low angles. You know, if this were being remade today and, you know, horror movies seem to like to reboot everything under the sun, you know, they could have been on their iPhones just, you know, with a selfie stick and, you know, shooting above their heads yeah. and getting that same effect. Yeah. Oh, and that was the other way this movie was cutting edge was that the show is broadcast entirely online uh, with viewers being able to look at different camera angles but um and well we'll get into it later but yeah the the plot i mean the whole premise of the show is really really terrible but 
it's true to the movie, which also has a really, really terrible premise. Although that said, I, the thought that I kept having watching this movie because it really wasn't that much else to think about was this would actually legitimately be a great premise for a um, Friday the 13th movie. Because at least then there would be much more justification for the reality TV setup. The people would be in different locations around Crystal Lake and so much more to go with. I mean, with Halloween, yeah. they were pretty much locked in that house. And, you know, other than various props, you know, what was there for them to do? Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, um, let me go into trivia, which I like to do. But the trivia, there really isn't that much of it. Um, probably my favorite bit of trivia is that Jamie Lee Curtis is in the movie, but she only was in it because of a contract obligation. And she hated the movie. She thought H2O was a good way to close off the whole series. Of course, she probably changed her mind about that because she appeared in Halloween 2018. But... <laughs> I still need to see. Yeah. And there's Halloween Kills coming out in 2020, so there's plenty, plenty more Halloween movies to talk about, um, which also has a rebooted timeline. But we'll talk about that too. Um, but but the thing that I, the thing that I really want to talk about, I don't know if you know this, but the um, the producers actually lied about how Jamie Lee Curtis felt about the movie. They claimed that she was only supposed to be in the movie for 30 seconds for, for a really brief cameo. But she, loved the, yeah, but she loved the script so much that they extended it. And it was a total lie. Well, one of them was Harvey Weinstein, so oh, yeah. who knows? And I mean, she had not a you know, lengthy part, but, you know, she was in her, she was in a mental hospital after, you know, decapitating the wrong guy. And after carefully plotting for years and years and years, seeing him just kind of creeping around the, the institution, she's stuffing all the pills that the orderlies and nurses give her and her doll. And then, you know, once Meyer shows up, and here's one thing that kind of caught me, was one of the first uh, security guards he killed, he decapitated and threw the head in the dryer. Now... <laughs> Reminds you a little bit of Halloween 6, doesn't it? Yeah. They want to get rid of all the other sequels, but use the same tropes. Um, so after finding that out, there's the chase scene, and for some reason, Michael gets himself caught on a, you know, kind of like a mousetrap-esque contraption where there's a little machine, he gets his ankle you know, tied up and he suspended. But she had to take off his mask and make sure she was getting the right guy, even oh. though I don't think he was really ever unmasked in any other sequel. No. And that's where he gets her. I, I don't know. that. Everything about that just seemed a little off to me. 
Well, they, yeah, that, that was another thing is that Jamie Lee Curtis insisted that they kill her character because she didn't want to do any more movies, um, which, you know, given this script is understandable. <laughs> but she, um, but yeah, yeah, that whole opening sequence is just so, so bad. I mean, you start off with the nurses giving exposition and the part that really got me was that they both know that that she um, that Lori had. Well, okay, we should backtrack because this is actually pretty complicated. But at the end of HTO, Lori finally faces Michael Myers, decides she's not going to hide from him anymore because she because the premise of HTO is that she faked her death and um, went into hiding under a presumed identity. So at the end of the movie, she finally faces Michael and shows him some sympathy, but also decapitates him. This movie we retcons that to Michael had enough foresight that he crushed the larynx of a paramedic, put him in a Michael Myers mask. So Lori decapitates an innocent person when she thinks she's decapitating Michael. Now, the thing is, is that the nurses know that she didn't do this on purpose. That it was, you know, they even know about the crushed larynx part. So why is she in an insane asylum? The late shock? Uh, I don't know. It just makes for quote-unquote good storytelling. And yes, she could have had you know, extreme shock over, you know, that kind of mistake, but yeah, no, that you, you, they kind of play it as she hadn't spoken in years and she's kind of becoming Michael Myers in a way. Yeah. That kind of mute staring, you know, ready to snap at a moment's notice serial killer. But it just kind of, Sounds like no, 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 no. We we further our investigation and you know get you into some counseling. And yeah. Not at this clearly poorly monitored Haddonfield Hospital, as many of them would be. You want to go out of state for that? I hear Crystal Lake might have us. <laughs> Well, she, yeah, and it's implied, though, that she was faking her catatonia. I mean, maybe at the beginning she was ill, but um, I don't know. I'm clearly overthinking what was obviously a desperate attempt to write themselves out of a corner of what to do with Lori Strode when Jamie Lee Curtis wanted her character to die. But I, I still remember watching the commercials for this movie. And back then that they basically implied that Lori would show up at the end of the movie to confront Michael. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what I was expecting when I first saw this. And, you know, I this came out in 2002. So I had just moved to Meriden, Connecticut. And my then roommate and uh, one of our other friends, we all just kind of got together on a Saturday night and... You know, one movie and one six pack later, I was quite disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have to admit I was too because like 
I, I stand by my statement about this being the worst movie that I've seen for this podcast because, like, even something like Crazy Fat Apple 2, I mean, it's the worst movie by most standards, but it's more interesting. <laughs> At least they tried to do something different. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things I like about Law & Order is they're they're at least very obvious that they're trying to, you know, cash in on, you know, what the latest headlines are. And it's blatant nowadays with the current episodes of SVU, and I watch quite diligently. Um, (laughs) But I don't know. I, I, I think with this, you know... I, I think they were, they believed that this was a, you know, genuine franchise sequel mm-hmm. and the Jamie Lee Curtis vehicle, but yeah. it fell, fell very short. Although, you know, a pre-Battlestar Galactica Katie Sackhoff was in it. And she was like the, you know, cute, perky friend to the Oh, era. I missed her. Yeah, I think um, because this movie has a bit of a reputation as a career killer. Uh, But from what I could tell, the people who were in it had at least decent enough careers in television. Uh, I think they're mostly referring to Thomas Ian Nicholas, who's in this movie. And uh, he was um, in American Pie and American Pie 2. I forget his character's name. It doesn't it doesn't matter, but. But basically, his career went downhill after this. And um, but like I said, nobody involved in this except Tyra Banks and Buster Rhymes, who clearly are treated like the stars of the movie. <laughs> they get more scenes than the leads, huh? I mean, Tyra Banks didn't even have that much of a role. I mean, the most she really did was stay in that production room, and you know, once she establish that, okay, my cameraman's an idiot, and my shots are, okay, let's start filming. She makes herself, um, you know, fancy coffee drinks and dances around the studio, which, you know, as one would do, when you're, you know, Tyra Banks, I suppose. I mean, you gotta do something between, you know, America's Next Top Model, or, you know, while you're plotting America's Next Top Model, that, oh, when did that start? Mid-2000s? Yeah, that sounds right. About mid or late 2000s. But they even cut the scene where she was killed, and you would think that that would be, you know, like uh, Paris Hilton getting killed in House of Wax. you think that would right, be... Or, you know, even Repo Man. <laughs> I mean... I'm sure, you know, off the set, she's a, you know, very nice person, but if anything like America's Next Top Model... I'm sure there were a couple of people who saw that and said, oh, what a chip. <laughs> Probably some of them contest, uh, future contestants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you see her body, but you don't you don't actually see Michael Myers kill her. And I, I have no idea why they cut that scene. Because, I mean, this movie has a few intro... No, well, I can't even say that. It... it yeah, it's not even interesting in a in a uh, in What's, the uh, kill count. I mean, the only interesting one was that you know the head in the dryer, and yeah, 
It was only because it recalled the other movie that it tried to forget. <laughs> Although, if we want to recall some, um, you know, further horror movies, the final girl, Sarah, I noticed that her, the outfit she wore on set, the one she complained to, you know, Katie Sackhoff as her buddy, no, this is too revealing. No, this is perfect. It looked very much, um, especially with the denim jacket, um, it looked like a Nev Campbell's character in Scream. Yeah. Yeah, because this movie and H2O were part of that whole post-Scream slasher renaissance, and I feel like this movie was trying to kind of take cues from from Scream, um, especially, you know, with the scene where... Because there's, like, basically kind of two plots where one where um, American Pie guy <laughs> is, at a, is at a frat party and they end up watching the show. And, um, uh, you know, helping Final Girl out in the process. And you, you got to love the means of communication. I mean, they were texting each other more or less, but, you know, those phones... Oh, and I had one, too. <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and it seems like they were kind of trying to go with something, but, I mean, they don't have the referential humor of Scream, uh, even though they kind of play at it. Um, Somebody go out a window. Something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, the, the whole texting... Um, God, I can't remember the final girl's name. That's how... Um, it's Sarah. I wrote Sarah, it down. Sarah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I tried to write the characters' names down, and then I kind of gave up at a certain point because <laughs> they just introduced them very briefly through these, uh, through the audition videos that they that they did. Um, but like the tet, I mean, she's running around the house being chased by Michael Myers, and of course, it's like the house has two floors and a basement, so there isn't much space for her to go. And they'll stop. She'll look at a text message. They'll tell her where Michael is. It's it, it just sort of drains all the tension out of the scene, you know. It really does, especially since you know I don't. I know it was live stream, but I mean there are some. You know, there were probably some timing glitches um, with those model cameras. So he could have been on the stairs, you know, when Miles, Deckard, um, you know, high school guy chatting with this college girl, as he's texting her, hey, Michael Myers is on the stairs. It could have been like five, ten seconds into the future where he's at the top of the stairs ready to, you know, crush her skull or that's the other thing, too. They didn't do anything very creative with, you know. The cannon fodder, even though, you know, you had the one guy who kept chalking, who was the chef, who kept chalking up uh, Michael Myers' behavior as, it's too much protein, he's not eating right, <laughs> and he's actually giving him dietary tips as he's being attacked. <laughs> like, oh, no, honey, climb out of a window. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is like, um, 
there are low budget 80s slashers where the characters have more personality than in this movie. Because, I mean, you have the skeezy guy, the skeezy sort of punk rock guy. Um, you know, was kind of playing, he was kind of made up to look a little like Richard Ramirez mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of play up that whole serial killer craze personality type that, you know, ends up hitting on the redheaded girl. Yeah, and the the redheaded girl is the artsy girl. I think she, is she like a gender studies major or something? She identifies yep. herself? Yeah. The first one to lose her, her shirt. <laughs> and she says cameras are so phallic at one point. And there's another line um, that I wrote down a um, where she says, screwing a music major because the skeezy guy we talked about is a music major. Screwing a music major is tantamount to lesbianism. And like, I had to pause the movie and contemplate what that means. <laughs> Stop laughing at that. <laughs> I mean, um, there, there are men in the music majors, even at my, you know, little state college. If he were a women's studies major, maybe. <laughs> and even then, that's dicey. <laughs> that was probably one of the dumbest. <laughs> well, there, yeah, I mean, this movie, it feels like they were kind of trying to to have some kind of deeper meaning, but they half-assed it. Like, at the very beginning, you hear Jamie Lee Curtis's narration. You're walking down the hallway, and at the end, there's a door, and beyond the door is heaven or hell. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, um, pick one. <laughs> or, you know sitting in your room holding on to a, you know, braggedy end knockoff as you're stuffing your pills in the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> or you planning to deal when you were on the outside. Yeah. Or um the fact that the first scene after the intro with Jamie Lee Curtis is uh it, it's probably my favorite trope where my favorite horror trope where the cast of college students or at least a few of them are in a college lecture and the professor is laying out the um, the themes of the movie. <laughs> and of course, Sarah is in the back room and she gives like the correct answer, but she like kind of whispers it. And even though she's like in the back of this massive lecture hall, the professor hears her clearly and goes, that's correct. Yes, we know you're the final girl now. <laughs> because, you know, you're not, you know, doing dope or doing boys or girls or anything else, you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, and the professor just, like, talks about the boogeyman and it's, like, the most obvious shallow reading of the original Halloween, you know? (sighs) So good. So good. I mean, so bad. (laughs) It's one of those... It, that kind of teetered over into entertainingly bad, and you kind of needed it for the rest of the movie because <laughs> even with you know Busta Rhymes watching the Kung Fu movie in the you know beginning and then becoming the Deuce S Machina towards the end, <laughs> yeah, that 
not even Buster Rhymes could save that movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, um, you know, you have the whole thing where the, uh, when the people are being killed by Michael Myers and the audiences, the, the viewers at the party are cheering, but, and I think, it, I know it's supposed to have like some kind of, uh, funny games esque message to it. And funny games is a movie that I hate too, but for different reasons. <laughs> but like, you know, it kind of takes a bite out of it because they they still think it's fake, you know, it's not... Crazy, you know, Miles is treated when, you know, he says, oh, wait, I think this really happened. I'm calling 911. And then the yeah. other girl, the blonde, is like, oh, that Sarah's a really talented actress. Well, I, we should talk about, like, how bad an idea... Um, much love to Tyra and Buster Rhymes, but in this movie, their idea for a reality TV show is really bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you had the premise of, you know, the haunted Myers house. Now, the first thing that could have, that, you know, tips the viewer off that, you know, there are some things that are going to be staged mm-hmm. is when Sarah does her audition tape and is immediately panicked and starts screaming when stuff breaks. And now this isn't even in the house. This is in a studio. Yeah. And then you see, like, the various, like, little props and stupid little things that suggest he was abused as a kid. Some of these things look relatively new in a, you know, house that's been abandoned for 30, 40-some-odd years. Yeah, which the characters point out. I mean, I kind of thought that that was sort of clever having like well first off the the premise of the show is really dumb because they're just basically wandering around the house and they find and they're supposed to find quote unquote the answers which means like all the things indicating that michael myers was abused and that's why he turned into a serial killer what i thought was kind of clever was this idea that like all the things are fake and you know that harkens back to the idea that michael myers doesn't really have a motive but, I mean, the other movies have already gone over, <laughs> you know, that point. And, yeah, he was just, you know, the vessel for our cult. I mean, he just looked right in a clown suit. <laughs> there oh. you go. Here's the nice <laughs> Well, the interesting thing, though, is, like, the the chef character finds the spices. And I think that there's supposed to be a hint that Michael Myers has been in the house. And they're not part of the prop, in which case I just love the idea that there's priorities is restocking the spice rack. Oh, yeah, because you got to have garlic and, you know, some chili powder, maybe some oregano in there. <laughs> Especially if you're eating rats, as the characters find. Seriously. I mean, they're not half bad with some chili powder. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, garlic that, you know, keeps the heart going and... <laughs> That allows you to stab to maximum capacity. Crush a couple of skulls. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would have loved for Michael Myers to take out, you know, something from the spice rack or, you know, a bag of vegetables or apples when, you know, Chef Guy was talking about his dietary habits. Like, <laughs> See this? Yeah, I'm going to ram that somewhere. Yes. Oh, good grief. 
Yeah, because the movie ends up not, not adding anything to the mythology. And um, H2O and this movie take place in a continuity that follows up on Halloween and Halloween 2, but ignores 4 and 5. I did read somewhere that they were original. H2O was originally going to be in continuity with 4 and 5, but I guess they just thought that the idea of Jamie Lee Curtis abandoning her daughter to fake her death was too <laughs> not flattering to the character. Not really, especially since the kid gets abandoned and then picked up by Thorn and yeah. Hey, we talked about that last year with Halloween 6. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As uh, ritualistic incest with her uncle, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is definitely not flattering to Laurie Strode, and I guess it was better to say, no, she really didn't do that. Because <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen H2O, and I think it leaves it ambiguous enough that you can still... Say, but I mean, this movie makes it definite because you know you have that serial killer fan in the asylum who sees Michael Myers and he just goes on about like, oh, Michael Myers, he killed da 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 da, and he only mentions like the kills he made in one, two, and H two O. So it so this movie makes one contribution is making it official that four and five isn't canon with these movies. <laughs> There is sex, even though... Oh, or sex, a yeah. Laundry trick. I kept leaving out sex. <laughs> How could I leave out sex? Hey. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like the touch that he had the clown masks. And was, like, quite the, you know, Michael Myers fanboy, right to the, you know, receiving the knife. It's like, oh, holy relic. And you killed this person in 1963. <laughs> and a bunch of high school kids in 78, and then in 98, yeah. Well, did Michael do that because he recognized the fan, or was it implied that he was, like, framing the guy for killing Lori? I think it's a little bit of both. It's like, mm -hmm. mask, he's making masks, he loves me. Here you go, buddy. Make me proud. <laughs> Uh, well... Spice rack. Yeah, the spice rack. Because I, I, I laughed out loud at that scene. Because, I mean, maybe it was meant to be an indication that there were props around the house, but the way he said it's fresh made me think that it was supposed to be a sign that Michael Myers was around. He goes to Harris Teeter or whatever the regional shopping market is. The next... Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about uh, Buster Rhymes because he is the best part of this movie by far. Oh yes, he's probably. Uh, I mean, for for one thing, he gets into a fight scene with Michael Myers. He um, roundhouse kicks him <laughs> multiple, a couple of times, yes. <laughs> and actually makes some headway. Unlike you know. He's as human as anybody else. I mean, size-wise, okay, he's a little bit bigger than some of the male characters, but no reason that he would be able to get the headway that he did other than, you know, he's Buster Rhymes. Right. He's just magic that way. Yeah, it made me wonder. I, I couldn't verify it, but it did make me wonder if in Buster Rhymes' contract it was... 
I can't be killed. <laughs> That's fair enough. Maybe that was the only way they could get him to do it. I mean, I'm mildly disappointed that he did not contribute a song to the soundtrack. Oh, I mean, that's there, right. were, there were multiple opportunities. I mean, there was the scene where Tyra Banks was dancing around in the little makeshift studio, but it was kind of, it sounded like a Janet Jackson song. You know, wouldn't this yeah. be like the best opportunity to, you know, give the man some something of a plug? around to that. In fact, I think it's designed for that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I and that's probably like the one saving grace of this movie is that as far as I know, it's like the only American slasher movie where the black guy beats up a slasher villain and unambiguously saves the final girl. And is kind of the voice of reason towards the end. It's like, you know, no, this this is beyond reality television. He doesn't directly acknowledge and say, yeah, I might have made a mistake. And, you know, Dangertainment is sorry for what we did, but it's, you know, treated like, you know, she's in shock. Don't treat this like a soundbite. Yeah. Just get, get him the hell out of here. Yeah. And get us to the hospital even though he set the whole thing in motion in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he didn't do it deliberately, so I kind of feel like that that was like the the movie was trying for that moral of, you know, don't sensationalize death and horror, but, you know, he didn't do it on purpose. He didn't, you know. Well. So I kind of feel like the, the only moral that this movie conveys successfully is that Buster Rhymes kicks ass. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. Because <laughs> he beats up Michael Myers. He uh, is the one who deals the death blow to Michael Myers. Final Girl does help a little bit, but she only helps set up the circumstances in which Michael Myers could be, you know, electrified to death and left to burn alive. And um, What did she do? Crash into a table that um, set off the spark, and then he kind of realizes, okay... We're close enough to the door. He's down. Let's light her up. <laughs> Get out. I mean, that was probably one of the smartest things like any, you know, slasher movie hero could um, could do. Usually they're just kind of running or, you know, they're so scared that they pretty much do enough to, in any self-defense class, will teach you this incapacitate them enough to get away, but mm -hmm. not, you know, not put them down, shall we say. I mean, he had sense enough to know this isn't an ordinary, you know, this isn't an ordinary guy. We have to, you know, electrocute him and put him down. But even setting him on fire, he still opens his eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta open it for another terrible sequel. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was the last bit of trivia I wanted to throw out there. Well, no, there are two bits. One is this movie was actually directed by um, uh, da, 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 I wrote down his name somewhere. Rick Rosenthal, who directed Halloween 2, hasn't done anything of note since uh, between Halloween 2 and this movie and since, except he's directed a bunch of TV shows um, most notably, a lot of episodes of Smallville. 
But um, at the same time, they were also planning to make a sequel to this movie that would still be in the H2O continuity where uh, they would have brought back um, Josh Hartnett hunting down Michael Myers to avenge his mother. But uh, luckily, we did not get that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, the stuff with Buster Rhymes, um, the fact that he just basically, oh yeah, 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 and the scene where he, before he fights Michael Myers, where he's in the Michael Myers mask just to scare the contestants and he runs into the real Michael Myers. I mean, it, from, from like a Halloween purist perspective, it's a terrible scene, but from just like an average viewer's perspective, it's kind of wonderful. <laughs> Funny that he treats Michael Myers like one of his production assistants. <laughs> and Michael Myers just he, he tells Michael Myers to to screw off, and Michael Myers does it. He just <laughs> all right. <laughs> Guess I'll get you later, then, buddy. Yeah. Although, again, for purists, it highlights the problems. Like sometimes Michael Myers is like a a brilliant strategic killer and sometimes he has the mind of a child and you know it, it, the lesser sequels just can't decide what which it is and sometimes it's both in the same movie yeah and it's like that he he genuine i don't think he genuinely knew what to do at that point it's <laughs> like well um <laughs> You're not my sister. You're not my niece. Ooh, just just, who is this guy? You're not Rob Zombie. (laughs) I would say that this is the worst movie in the series. Uh, Six is probably worse from like a narrative structure perspective, but it had interesting ideas. It was. Gen- it had it had some genuinely thrilling moments, especially if you watch the director's cut. And um, yeah, the, this movie, like the only thing worth watching is Buster Rhymes, and you can probably just just watch those on YouTube. But Buster Rhymes' involvement does also make this the wokest Halloween movie. The you know the black guy saves the girl, which he pretty much saves the whole movie. Well. <laughs> Uh, about as much of that movie as can be saved. I mean, he, he wraps it up very well. Now, do you agree? Is this the worst movie in the franchise? Oh, by far. <laughs> and and I, I've pretty much seen all of them except for 2018. I, I still need to sit down and watch that. Yeah. I mean, I even liked three. I mean. Oh, I love three. It, it was kind of weird to, you know, just have the story, have something completely unrelated and based on the, the mass company, and then just kind of go back to the Laurie Strode story. Yeah. <laughs> but it still worked. Yeah. It's and still a good standalone. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, say what you will about five and six, but at least they had ideas that they tried to execute. This movie just has like... Fear factor. Yeah, it it just basically took the reality TV concept and, you know, doesn't really do... I mean, you could have had 
Jason or a completely new slasher character in this movie and worked for what it was, you know. Pretty much. And all you could have, and you could have made one of the contestants the killer. You know, it could have been somebody who took the concept of reality television too far and then, you know, snapped and you could have had a precursor to uh, the Joker movie. Exactly. <laughs> could have had something way ahead of its time, but nope. Had to be a Halloween movie. Yep. Exactly. Of a limited scene. I mean, this wasn't the Evil Dead house, which seems to have multiple room after room after room, despite it being a cabin. A very, very enclosed space, but no sense of real claustrophobia, even when she was stuck in the tunnel. That, I mean, I myself am claustrophobic, and there was a scene in one of the Blair Witch sequels that I couldn't really watch all the way through because she was cramped in a tunnel... And it got to be a little bit much, too much visually. Mm-hmm. I never got that sense in Resurrection, even though it's, you know, again, a bunch of people in a cramped house. Yeah, it's very generic looking, that, the house. Like, it, it, it just kind of looked like a typical abandoned gothic house, even though it's a house that's like right in the middle of the suburbs, you know. It just never got bought. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> But for some reason, nobody ever condemned or tore it down. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Parking lot there. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, it would have just been... I mean, it could have even just had the movie take place in the asylum that Michael Myers was in. You know, just more interesting. Yeah, have it closed down and just... Just go and go with that, and you know it would have been it would have had more space and more. There would have been more of a justification for the show, you know. Exactly. Not to mention, you know, it would be more in keeping with the Fear Factory theme. Mm-hmm. I think some of the episodes were in hospitals, but um, I mean, I guess they had to, you know, keep with the original, or at least before, you know somebody turned it into an extension of their yard. <laughs> Imagine what that garden would be like. Oh, exactly. Almost. <laughs> yeah, going with that, like, having Michael consider the asylum his home, and not his, you know, childhood home, that would actually be kind of poignant. And, but... It would make more sense, considering that's where he spent a good chunk of his childhood and adult years. Well, it's where he, he learned how to drive from that doctor. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of driver's head do they have in a you know asylum for the criminally insane? Oh, exactly. I, I, I still love the I, I still love that bit of a that that that, that was like the one plot hole from the original movie that they decided to address. Just it's wonderful. Kind of go with it. Well, somebody taught him. Thought <laughs> they're going to get fired. Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah. I've, uh, do you do you think that this movie deserves to be watched, even from a so bad it's good perspective? Um, not at all. And mm-hmm. for the record. You can't find it on any streaming service except for Amazon, and you have to rent it. 
for a dollar ninety nine. A dollar ninety nine isn't worth it, especially because you can watch all the Buster Rhymes scenes on YouTube, and those are the only good parts of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. This is just a so bad it's bad movie. If you want to watch a so bad it's good Halloween movie, go with six or even five. I'd argue four, too. Four, okay. Yeah, I know people are divided over whether or not that's legitimately good or not, but I, 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 I could, it's been so long since I've seen it, maybe we should make that our next discussion. Yes, and I actually have the four, um, four and five on a DVD pack, so no mm-hmm. rental fees for me. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> thought I could find the whole movie on YouTube, but... Uh. Yeah, if any movie deserves to be in the public domain, it's this one. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Alrighty. Um, I, I am now on Etsy, and I can knit you Michael Myers, if you so wish. It is um, <laughs> Etsy.com shop creative cat loafer. All right, and you can find me at uh, the Trash Cannon Podcast, uh, the Trash Culture Blog, and you can also um, check out my YouTube channel, which is under Hollywood Hates History or Chad Denton. Right. Thank you for being here, and happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween, folks.